Justice is the virtue, the habit of soul by which we order the relationships, duties, and concerns of our life such that they work harmoniously toward the peak and culmination of our lives, the love of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're digging a little deeper today into the cardinal virtue of justice. Welcome to episode 16 of Deep in Christ. Hello and welcome back to Deep in Christ. I'm your host, John Mark Grodi, here at the Coming Home Network International. We're back with another conversation about the daily task of growing deeper in imitation of and relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for being here today. We're talking more about justice this week. Now, last week, Father Peter and I dug into this second of the four cardinal virtues. We dug into its definition, its relationship to prudence and the other cardinal virtues. And we also looked a little bit about the relationship between the cardinal virtues and the theological virtues, faith, hope, and charity. Or in other words, God's grace working in our lives as Christians and the relationship between that grace and our active life. When we left off, we had just begun to dig into the ways in which justice brings order into our lives. Now, justice is, in, in part, justice is about responding rightly to the web of relationships within which we live. It is about giving what is right and just to each of those relationships, but it is also to recognize that those relationships form a hierarchy, a hierarchy with God at the very top. So today we'll dig more into this hierarchy and also we'll look uh, at how the virtue, the habit of justice, involves recognizing and ordering our lives accordingly. We had a good discussion, and I hope you enjoy it. Let's dive in. This is one real practical element of this whole discussion, is that, that a way that you begin to practice justice is by recognizing that um, that web of relationships in your life, mm -hmm. um, they aren't all necessarily equal. They do have mm -hmm. a hierarchy, and that's what we're yep. talking about here. Down into the middle of that, it gets a little murky. You know, sure. it's, right, right. it's a, more of a matter of discernment. But there is a definite high point. There's a definite top of that priority list, and that is to love the Lord thy God with all the heart, I, I would, and soul, and strength. And I would say there's a really a, a top two, because that's right. God yeah. gives us it. <laughs> yeah, right? He gives us the two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, Spoilers. and love your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> Sorry. Right. And so uh, the things that kind of go below that, you know, yeah. what, what I would say then it's like to your job as your employer and mm -hmm. to your kind of nation and the other, you know, the other things, your kind of community. All those things have um, a lot of those things kind of they orient or kind of pyramid towards love of neighbor, right. but th th of themselves, they usually are kind of, they need to be put in that priority. Because they're instrumental. They're instrumental. Most of those. They're right. for something. They're not yes. for themselves. Your job is for something else, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. 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 If I, if, if I am, <laughs> it's, it's, it's cheeky, cheeky Chesterton, right? You know, yes. I mean, if I, uh, if I am loving humanity, <laughs> but not loving my neighbor, yeah. you know, in the sense, you know, in, in the sense of like, if I am, if I am, if I'm trying to love all of humanity, but I'm not at the very least treating my neighbor with respect and, and kindness and yeah. basic justice, then yeah. what am I doing? I'm right? sharing very, very humanitarian memes <clears throat> on Facebook, but yeah. I'm not loving my neighbor right. <laughs> who yeah. happens to vote differently than me or right. something yeah, like or that. Something, you know? Yeah, just, yeah and, exactly. Yeah. So there's a, there's, a, there's a list. There's a hierarchy. Uh, there's an order of those. So definitely we know the top two because Christ gives them to us. Scripture gives them to us. Uh, love God and love of neighbor. And then down from there, 
you know, then we get into the actual practical specifics of my life. We mm-hmm. get into our vocation, whether we're yes. married or, yeah. or, or priest. We get into a job. We get into, you know, human uh, contracts and promises. You know, if I've borrowed money or if I've hmm. I've taken a sandwich and that I need to give you $3 for, like we have, we get down to the practical things. And those still all orient back towards Absolutely. our ultimate vocation, uh, the dignity of the human persons with which we're in relationship. Mm-hmm. But that's, I think that's part of, the pra- again, if we're thinking of justice, not just as a state of being or a state of society, but a, a habit that individuals practice and mm-hmm. make a habit of, then part of that habit is recognizing that order and improving that order in my life over time, especially where we recognize that it needs remedied. Absolutely. And you brought up vocation. And obviously, that's got to be, it's pretty high up there. Pretty high up the you list, know, yeah. and, and And the reason that it's pretty high up there is because the impetus of that, at least partly, in a much more firm way than almost everything else originates from God. Yeah. Because that is what vocation is. That is this is the this is the vow of the way of life that I take in the church, ratified by the church before God and ratified by God Himself. A commissioning of this is the way that I'm to live the mission of my baptismal promises. Right. And so uh when it comes to the the objects or the people that you are called to love and your vocation, that is there is much there's a much stronger connection there too. Yeah. Both of the kind of the primary two kind of commandments, but in a special way to God as well. Yeah. You know, that above, really in a special way, above everything else, mm-hmm. you are called to love your family in the end because God asked you to. Yeah. You know, and, and that it's not to say there's there's no like degradation of your family by saying like, mm-hmm. well, it's because God asked me to. Mm-hmm. But it's that is the type of thing that will survive everything. Mm-hmm. That is the type of love that will survive anything that is thrown at it. Mm. You know, as I do this because um, I do this first and foremost because God has commissioned me to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the type of love for my parish that will get me through, hopefully, <laughs> will yeah. get me through anything else that tries to kind of overwhelm my sensibilities in life. Yeah. You know? Well, you know, I, I feel like this, so I, I want to dig into that a, a little bit deeper too, this, this, um, the sense of responding to God's call and command a little bit deep, more deeply, because I mean, one thing it makes me think about is that justice sort of points us to it points us to how we are made in the image and likeness of God, in that like we are fundamentally more fundamentally than the level at which we're just like individuals. Mm-hmm. We are made for communion. Yes, we're made for relationships. So justice isn't necessarily something that comes about later. It may need to come about in, a, in to, to remedy an injustice, but like we were part of being made in the image of God is being made in the image of the Trinity in, in, the, in the image of a community of persons. And so even in our humanity, even the, the most basic unit of humanity, which is the family, you know, a father and a mother and, the, and a child, mm-hmm. that that images uh, the Trinity, that images uh, persons in, in a relationship of love. And so when we say that like this, this, this highest call, when we, when we obey God and we love or we, we, we care for our family because God told us so, again, we're responding to a God who calls us in love into existence and calls us to, um, to, that, to this, this Trinitarian relationship where each is fully in love and fully in service of and mm-hmm. fully given over to the other. Like we're called to, we're called to ecstasy. Mm-hmm. Ecstasis to get out of ourselves. Yes, and so when we do that to God, and like in relationship to other people, we give of ourselves in an imperfect way to other imperfect people. But when we give ourselves fully to God, 
when we fully respond to his commands, his calling, like we're giving ourselves fully to someone who's perfect and who will sanctify us. Mm -hmm. And so like it just, it draws us all back to like the the most fundamental, like just who we are, right? Our our uh, our identity in God. Uh, it's not something I'm super well versed upon, yeah. um, but the, there's the, uh, the there's a term that's often used to refer back to the, the original time in uh, in uh, in the Garden of Eden. Yeah. That's the term is original justice, huh. and it's this idea that in that time that that in terms of our relationship with God and with each other, there was no fallenness. There was right. perfect justice. Yeah. There was perfect justice in our full relationship with God and in our orientation of our relationship with each other. Yeah. And there was none of those things that get in between that try to drag us down or that, that that have disoriented our way of relating to each other. And so now, because of the fall, mm-hmm. we 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 don't we don't have that original justice automatically yeah. at our disposal. And so there's sort of this requirement to attend more fully to it because of the, and to attend more fully to it and to um to invoke the help and grace of God because it's it's difficult. As Gustin says, I do what I don't want to do and I don't do what I want to do. I mean he just he yeah. just lays it straight out there. Like that is that is the nature of our fallenness now. Yeah. Is that yeah. you know we we even recognize a lot of time what is justice. We recognize the just thing to do and yet we struggle to do it. Mm-hmm. So we have to uh, we have to attend to that a lot more kind of acutely now mm-hmm. rather than sort of in the original time when it would have been more natural. Yeah. And that's what we hope to achieve a more of when it comes to virtue, right? Yeah. Is that as uh, actually I was listening to a Baron podcast and he explained it really well. Um, where he talked about he was talking about freedom of excellence, but that's essentially what virtue comes down to, right? Mm-hmm. Is it, it it first is the ability achieves the ability to, and then achieves the ease of doing. You know, it, yeah. it, and that's that's what we hope to achieve with virtue is yeah. that we first gain kind of the ability to do the thing, mm-hmm. um, to do the right thing and, and to do it in the right way, and then hopefully eventually achieve, achieve the ease of yeah. doing it. And again, that's another significance of the four cardinal virtues together is that I think justice looked at by itself, it's hard to see fully how it works as a virtue. Mm-hmm. But when you see it in terms of this sort of organic living unity of the cardinal virtues, you see, you know, the, the step one is in prudence turns re- to reality and, and makes a decision as a human person, you decide to be a, a rational being. You know, like I have a brain, I'm going to use it. I'm going to, I'm going to attend to reality. I'm going to try to make decisions in accord with reality. Well, the first thing that that prudence primarily attends to is justice. Like, what do I, what ought I do? Mm-hmm. You know, what do I owe God and the other people around me? Well, so you, yeah, and it looks at, it looks at that objective relationship, and yeah. then it says, okay, how do I apply that objective relationship to these circumstances? Right, right. right. To this particular concrete situation. Yeah. If I owe this to God and this to my family and this to these people, and, and put that in an ordering, which mm-hmm. is really important, then according to that ordering, how do I apply that to say? Do I, should I go to the gym this morning? You know, yeah. like, I mean, like, for, to give, like, just one example, yeah. you know? Yeah. So. And that ordering, so you can imagine that ordering, you can think about it, but then to actually take an action, to mm-hmm. make a moral action, that's where that, or, like, you put the stamp on that order. Yes. Like, God is God of my life, and I'm, I'm showing that by going to Mass, or mm-hmm. by tithing, or by uh, choosing to not sin, you know, even when the sin seems advantageous on a human level, yes. that no, I, I am instantiating that. I am making that official. I'm declaring it through my actions mm-hmm. that God is the Lord. And so that, and that's interesting too. So again, prudence turns to justice. And then whenever you do justice, even a small act of justice, a small vote for God, a small yes to mm-hmm. this is the way that reality is, 
Well, that always involves some level then of courage and temperance. Mm-hmm. Again, we're going to explore those more. But the point being here that as I as I do justice, I, I become more courageous because that courage is is enacted in service of justice and in accord with prudence. And so, so to tempt my temperance, my my ordering of my desires and my passions for what they're for, mm-hmm. that gets stronger. And the strengthening of those makes me more prudent. I'm better able to to face reality even more fully, mm-hmm. even more humbly, even more courageously. I can look at reality in the face. Mm-hmm. And that in turn sends me deeper into justice. Mm-hmm. That now I actually, there may be aspects of my vocation, aspects of my faith that I'm now realizing, now that I have a bit more courage, I'm a bit more acquainted with reality and and uh, and pushing through the difficulty, I now recognize, oh, there's a deeper level of justice that mm-hmm. I can do to God. I can give more. I can give more of myself to my God and to my spouse and to my job and to my neighbor. And so that's, that's again, we see this living cyclical unity yes. going forward that the, the, the virtues strengthen each other and they make us more, again, that, that quote we, a few episodes ago, as we make ourselves more of a capacity, God is able to pour more grace into us and, and, and draw us along and mm-hmm. make us more the people he's calling us to be. Oh, that's beautiful. It's a beautiful reflection. You know, you mentioned earlier about kind of putting your stamp, putting the kind of the yeah. stamp of that. That reminded me a lot of uh, uh, one. I mean, one of the things that I love to talk about the most is the mass. Mm. And uh, I love to talk about, in particular, I love to talk about the doxology and the great amen mm-hmm. in the mass because I think it's it's one of the most more commonly uh, not not misunderstood per se, but just less appreciated moments of the mass. Um, it's actually considered like. One of the, if not the highest point of the Mass, mm-hmm. is the doxology, through him, with him, and in him, God Almighty Father, and the unity of the Holy Spirit, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. But one of the things I like to talk about there is that is the amen, the word amen. We, we Sometimes there's different kind of, uh, different sort of uh, meanings that are sometimes attached or kind of simple, simple like, you know, it means to say, I agree, or, you know, kind of, I consent. But um, kind of in the original language, there's a much, it's a much more firm there's a much more there's a much firmer kind of attitude that goes along with the word amen. Amen. And it's yeah. it's not not just it's not just a like I consent or I agree with this thing or I believe Fine. it. Yeah. Sure. No, it's a it's a it's like it's like the battle cry right after the commander gives like the moving speech. Yeah. It's the I give my whole self to what you are saying and I'm ready to I to 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 what to this reality before me, yeah. and I'm ready to go charge in the battle. I mean, mm-hmm. like it is, it's the fullness of saying, like, no, that like I radically give my whole being to the what is being said and, and happening right. here, and um, and so in that moment, what the the priest is doing is he's offering up the perfect victim of Jesus. He's offering up in the person of Jesus, the perfect priest, offering up the perfect victim as the sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice to God, the Almighty Father. That in reparation for our sins, um, it's the perfect. It's the liturgy. It's, it's the, the the fundamental kind of uh, the fundamental uh, economy of our faith, right there. That in reparation for our sin, the the sacrifice of Christ is being offered to God the Almighty Father, and we are radically giving ourselves to that reality. And in a sense, with prudence, just kind of it, it's sort of a microcosm of the whole idea of prudence. Is that it's not just. It can't just be sort of like we sort of observe it passively and right. say like we kind of recognize like, oh, that's nice. Mm. Like I know what I need to do. It's say, no, like you radically put your stamp on it by doing it and saying yeah. like I give myself fully now. Like I've I've worked through the reality now. Mm-hmm. You know, I've worked through kind of the, the prioritization and everything and like I owe myself first and foremost to God. And then you should get you got to put that stamp on it and give yourself to it then. You got to give yeah. yourself fully into it. Yeah. 
And with that, again, with that reality, again, when we've placed God properly at the hierarchy of our sense of justice, mm-hmm. then again, everything else suddenly get, uh, receives a, uh, a grounding of, of its being, you know, all of our other responsibilities. Because uh, yeah. my, my initial amen, strong amen, is to mm-hmm. that reality, that highest reality. Mm-hmm. But then when I get up, like, again, we've talked about the heroic minute as this great practical example. I get up in the morning and I get, and the alarm rings mm-hmm. and, I, and I get out of bed and I go to my knees and I acknowledge God. And that act, that getting up out of bed, that physical act of going down on my knees, uh, those are amens mm-hmm. to that highest reality. Amen. They may be, they may, and, and, I, and I go out there and I make the coffee and I take a shower and I do other things that on one sense are, are far down the hierarchy of justice because, you know, I'm taking care of my health and I'm making coffee for my, my wife and I'm doing whatever. But those two then become little amens to yes. that, 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 that great amen. Yes. You know, because we've placed that, that's the, the peak of our hierarchy yeah. is God. And so all these other things are, we're able to do them courageously and in temperance. Again, as part of that hierarchy, pointing well, to the top, and to even go a little bit more mystically into liturgy, I mean, yeah. that is the point of the liturgy. Is there's this exitus reditus, this this flowing out was, and return. Exitus, exitus, yeah, reditus, reditus, okay. exit and return. Ah, okay. There are different other kind of ways of formulating it, but there's this kind of flowing out from the liturgy and then returning back to the liturgy. Mm-hmm. And at the moment of Amen, it's it's when we give ourselves fully to that sacrifice. What we're also doing is it is. Our sacrifice, when we, you know, when the priest says at the beginning of the the liturgy of the Eucharist, or near the beginning of the liturgy of the Eucharist, pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God the Almighty Father. Our sacrifice, the sacrifice, is being made acceptable by being united to Christ's sacrifice. Yes. But what is our sacrifice that we're making? It is all those little amens that we make throughout. Literally in that moment of the great amen, we gather, we are supposed to, doesn't necessarily have to be this perfect kind of formulated mental thing, right. but the point is we gather our whole life, all the little amens that we have made of our life to God, to our family, to to all the other little justices that we make make of our life, all those little amens, we gather into that one great amen because we unite the sacrifices of our life to Christ, and that is made acceptable in that sacrifice to God, the Almighty Father. Oh, man, that's so good. You know, another thing that comes to my mind in relation to all that is that one of the reasons our modern uh, mind uh, sort of uh, shies away from any sense of hierarchy is that we assume that whenever you create a hierarchy, in this case, a hierarchy of justice, of of obligation, of duty, that somehow the highest thing uh, takes away from the lowest thing. Mm -hmm. That precisely because something's higher on the list, it it, it denigrates or takes something away from lower on the list. Mm -hmm. Whereas in a a Christian cosmos, hierarchy does not uh, denigrate but elevate the lower thing. The higher things yes. elevate the lower things. Yes. And so when we place God at the height, the height, those small, quote unquote, small uh, duties, mm-hmm. you know, the little tiny things. Oh, I'm going to eat this apple because it's it's good for my. But the doctor told me to. It's good for my body. Whatever. Yeah. Well, that too becomes elevated because why? Where does that that fits on this hierarchy pointing all the way up to? I'm going to act in accord with reality. Because it's an amen to God. So, mm-hmm. as you say, all those tiny amens, right. you know, every every bit of that hierarchy, every mm-hmm. level of that justice, it proceeds upward, and right. I, I gather it together and I give it to God. And say, God, right. amen. This is for you. Well, and then as precisely because of the Exodus ready to of Christ. Yes. In that um, God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son. You know, who who descended, a condescended. You know, to use the the term in its strict sense, yeah. he condescended. Yeah. 
um, to be with us, descended yes. to be with, you yeah. know, Khan descended. Yeah. Um, but then ascends back yeah. to heaven, you know, bringing, in a sense, bringing us with him, you mm-hmm. know, in, in that real sense that he descends to our level. God became man. To use the old quote, God became man, so a man had become God. Yeah. And so because of that, yeah, he reverses kind of the natural order where the, not, not natural, but the unnatural order of the world, um, that where the hierarchy, you know, hierarchy is all about kind of power yeah. over, uh, over sub, you know, uh, over subjugation, subjugation, you know, domination. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's, he, he reverses that, you know, yeah. the weak shall become, the weak are made strong in Christ and all that stuff. I mean, there's right. so many, all those different kind of classic seeming, you know, um, you know, apparent contradictions. Right. Um, Christ has made those concrete and real and beautiful. Mm-hmm. And that's most first and foremost and most beautifully made manifest in exactly what you're talking about. And that he brings, he allows the little sufferings of our life to take on great meaning because they are, are attached to his redemptive, perfect redemptive suffering of the cross. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So that it goes even further there because you, you bring back in, you know, the, the, the redemptive suffering notion, which we'll, I mean, we'll explore a whole we'll lot more. We'll explore a lot more. It's Colossians one twenty four is the primary thing that we It's very at. Catholic. Some, some Christians from certain backgrounds may not be familiar with it. Although I, I would say that I think every Christian has this, even if they don't believe it explicitly, they, they have a sense for it somewhere down deep, if they're, especially if they're scriptural, because it, we, we recognize that in Christ, Somehow, you know, he he came down and made of even those small aspects of his life, those small sufferings. He made something out of them, and we're invited into that. I think we 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 get that instinctively, even if we have to re- learn it or relearn it doctrinally. Mm. That even um, even the misfortunes of life, even the sufferings of life, even that our bearing of those. And again, this is one thing I love about virtue too, is precisely because it gives us an an intellectual and a practical framework to to connect. Christ's suffering, death, and resurrection, his redemptive act, our amen to God as the highest, it gives us the, the practical intellectual framework to connect that to the, the things I do every day, mm-hmm. getting up in the morning and eating my, my food and tying my shoes and going to work and trying to do a good job of my work and taking care of my, all those little things. You know, it, it gives us this, this way of plugging those all in and seeing how they're, they're, they're supposed to be um, sanctified and, and wrapped up, brought into this, uh, yeah. We talked about that. We, we, uh, it's, it's a common thing that's talked about is like, well, you're, you know, a, a monotonous and kind of unfulfilling job, unquote, unquote, unfulfilling job can be, since made fulfilling when you do it for the right reasons, right? And ultimately that just, that what that comes down to is imprudence attending to true justice, yeah. you know, and following that up the chain, you know, to the thing, I'm doing this job to provide for my family, which I've been called to provide to for by God. And so I serve God through doing this job, you know, and it's not to say that in discernment, everything you can discern, you may need to change jobs or whatever. And that's an aspect of kind of discernment of furthering and going deeper into that, that justice, yeah. um, into that discernment and prudent discernment of justice. But really of, of, of anything like that, you can, I mean, there are some things that you can't find that justice in, and that's yeah. part of the discernment too, of, yeah. of saying like, oh, well, I need to change my, my what I'm doing, you know? Right. Um, when, for instance, you know, one can't kind of put prostitution at, <laughs> as the, you it's know. It's not going to work. Doesn't yeah, it's not, it's not yeah. going to work, you know. Um, <laughs> but, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it is amazing to see how yeah, you could, your whole life becomes oriented by that, by the justice in that way, when, when attended to by prudence. A few weeks ago, 
or at some point recently, you, you'd sent me this quote um, by Joseph Bieber. Uh, While prudence is the cornerstone of the cardinal virtues, justice is their peak and culmination. A good man is above all a just man. And that we got thinking about, again, going back to the what, what mental image we begin to construct about the cardinal virtues. And none of them are going to be perfect, but I, I liked... Um, I like this one because, first of all, it does give us a way to think of the relationship between justice and prudence. Prudence is a, a cornerstone, so it's a foundation. It's the, the supporting root and foundation of this edifice. But that justice is the peak. And I, I liked that for, for two reasons. Number one is it does harken back to uh, the image um, connects to, I, I think, Aquinas and others would put uh, would rank justice high in the cardinal virtues in terms of justice is actually doing the good things. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, temperance and fortitude are in a supporting rule, but justice, again, built out of prudence, really is the actual good. It's the content of the good life. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense that it's the peak. But also it made me thinking of, of, and I'm not a student of architecture or anything here, but like there's a sense in which when you have like a, a dome or an arch, right, the capstone, like the, the stone at the top of that arch, provides the weight that then keeps the rest of it held together, right? Part of that weight at the top makes the whole thing sturdy. You know, you've got the pillars and you've got, you know, you've got the foundation thing, but that part of the, 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 count, the balance of the top, it holds the whole thing together. And I was just thinking about how justice, while it's supported by fortitude and temperance, as we'll explore more, there's a sense in which, too, that, again, getting into this cyclical aspect of the, of the virtues, that doing justice also then makes you more courageous and temperate in, in the sense that it gives you this integrity. Like, that's another kind of virtue-esque word that gets thrown around a lot. But what the heck does it mean, integrity? integrity. You know, a person that is integrated, that is whole, that's intact. Your heart is intact. It made me think of, you know, um, a, a psalm that comes up in the Liturgy of the Hours a lot that we're both well familiar with. It's Psalm 24. The, the Lord's is the earth in its fullness, the world and all its peoples. It is he who sets it on the seas, on the waters he made it fir- firm. Who shall climb the mountain of the Lord? Who shall stand in his holy place? The man with clean hands and pure heart, who desires not worthless things, who has not sworn so as to deceive his neighbor. He shall receive blessings from the Lord and reward from the God who saves him. But who shall climb the mountain of the Lord? The man with clean hands and a pure heart. And if we, again, we think about it practically too, like when in our life, one one of the times in our life when we feel most lacking in courage and temperance is precisely when our life is out of order. And, you know, we were talking about part of the virtue of justice is precisely putting this order in our lives. When there's disorder, when God really isn't at the the height, even the good things we're trying to do, we sort of lose our our nerve for them, our ability to carry them. Because we feel in, in in our stomach, we feel the disorder in our lives. We feel that that we've we've hitched our our wagon to something that's not the highest thing, you know. And so the, there's a sense in too that I think as as injustice we put order into our hierarchy of value, into the goods in our lives, that that also then re, like it 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 makes us able to be courageous. You know, it's like those pillars are strengthened precisely by the capstone of this justice. Well, it it makes us able to be courageous in a virtuous way. Yeah, because yeah. well, it, it was interesting because this is a topic I brought up to you. I, I I thought this was fascinating that Peeper mentions a specifically but in one of his chapters about justice. He says he's talking about uh, justice in relation 
to uh, the other virtues, and mm-hmm. uh, it, it's um, in ordering it, the rank of justice. Yeah. And he says, um, uh, we would do well to bear in mind that the uttermost perversion of mankind not, lies not in excess, which can be easily read in man's bearing behavior, but in injustice, which being essentially of the spirit is not so readily distinguishable. But then he says, we ought to be prepared to find that the most powerful embodiment of evil in human history, the Antichrist, might well appear in the guise of a great ascetic. This is, in the fact, the almost unanimous lesson of historical thinking in the West. What he means here, what he's saying here, is that the greatest evil can often be in the guise of someone who has taken kind of just a purely earthly, who, who's used courage and temperance in a purely or as purely earthly tools. Yeah. They become tools that actually drive the person further down the path of unrighteousness, mm. of injustice. And precisely because we can think of ways where when we have disordered ends, when yeah. the ends of justice are not properly ordered, that's actually, the more that, the more that we actually embrace courage and temperance in pursuing that end mm-hmm. makes the end more and more of an idol. Right. That is how we get idols in our life is when we make <laughs> sacrifices for something that is not that it sacrifices from some for something that that does not achieve the rank of God, and we put it above God. I mean that that is what it means to have an idol is to make a sacrifice. You know, yeah. to turn into God to give it sacrifice. Right. And so. Yeah, justice, proper ordering of justice, is what allows courage and temperance, which are kind of these 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 tools. Mm-hmm. Um, it turns them into virtues because right. it, it it orders them towards the achieving of the right thing, the yeah. right just thing. Yeah, yeah. In relation, if if they orbit around uh, a center that is our, our self, an ego, mm-hmm. pride, you know, something other than God, they become diabolical. Mm-hmm. Saint Ambrose writes, uh, "Fortitude without justice is a lever of evil." Mm-hmm courage without that's not in relation to things as they are that's that that, that lacks justice and, and prudence it's a lever of evil yeah. and of course this makes sense from storybooks we read i mean right. like great heroes as well as great villains have discipline mm-hmm. they have fortitude and temperance in a certain respect in relation to some end to some mm-hmm. purpose to some to some uh, justice but whether that's the justice of God, you know, the reality of God as the creator who made us, or if that's uh, in relation to their own purposes. You know? Something you hear sometimes <laughs> in movies these days. Um, and, and it was sort of, I, I think it points back in some ways to when we say that the greatest sinners often very closely resemble the greatest saints, right? Mm-hmm. Is because it's like everything in their life is is directed in a fanatical way towards a certain purpose, but yeah. it's just the purpose is in God. Right. And uh, we can see how courage and fortitude can be a lever for evil because in movies, movies often a theme that you see in stories yeah. is is someone who like in the face of the the right person who says the person like the the good person who's on the side of right says like you know it is not no this isn't this isn't right that you're trying to do mm. and the evil person says. You just don't have you don't have the stomach to do what needs to be done. Yeah, you know, and yeah. so there's kind of utilitarian bent to it, where it's saying like, look for the greater good. We need to do this evil thing, and we need to push down all those kind of the feelings of disgust and basically a kind of a courage thing. Where in the face yeah. of just like 
of not wanting or not feeling like doing the thing, mm-hmm. saying, well, it has to be done. And so I'm going to kind of encourage step forward and do it. Mm-hmm. But it's completely disordered, you know, yeah. it, because it's uh, it's seeking, because because the end has not been ordered properly, the end of justice has not been ordered, then yeah. there's this utilitarian bent about it where it's like, I can do evil things to achieve this, this end that I've decided is mm-hmm. the most important thing. We're going to talk about this more at some point down the road about when we, I think when we double back at the end of the cardinal virtues, when we, we double back and look mm. at the cardinal virtues in relation to the theological virtues, I think one of the things that we'll have to explore more is how I, I would say humility and pride are kind of in a battle over your prudence. Mm. You know, in the sense of either you're going to, in prudence, you're going to turn to things as they are, which which is God, and thus the theological virtues, his, you know, the, the faith and hope and love that he gives you and that you're, you're ordering your life in, in relation to God and your justices in relation to God, or your, your, even your, your human prudence, it, 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 it doubles around and just focuses on yourself and, and your sense of justice, your sense of, of duty, of obligation, of rights and responsibilities is, 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 is in relation to yourself. It's 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 self focused, and thus and thus your courage only become is only courage in service of yourself. And so like, either you turn radically outward more and more and more to God in humility, or you're constantly turning more and more inward and becoming mm-hmm. a universe unto yourself, where that even your your natural human virtues and even beyond just the moral virtues, your intellectual virtue, your 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 artistic virtue, all all the things that you've been given turn inward to to serve yourself, and that's hell in the end is this you know being locked up in uh and and not able to escape from the universe you've made of which is your own your own self-love your own diabolical self-love whereas again the opposite in the context of god where in humility you turn outward you see things as they really are you want god you want his truth you want to give yourself to god and in the end of course there too that you find um uh, the the only true self love mm-hmm. because you love yourself as God loves you. Yes, yeah. and so like that's that's a whole bigger, wider Topic. picture around these virtues that we mm-hmm. want to dig into at some point. But but again, that justice again, justice depends on being connected to reality. You know, just as then for, uh, courage and temperance depend on uh, being connected to that real, uh, a true justice. We talked about a few episodes ago, and it was just what you're, what you're talking about now how. Mm-hmm. True, true prudence, real prudence has uh, is one of the perfections of true prudence is docilitas. Yes, which is this this opening up to kind of the to to seeking kind of external influence, to seeking kind of guidance. Yeah, and uh, yeah, the false the false prudence makes you a world unto yourself, where mm-hmm. your opinion and you know, kind of your your preconceived worldview is all that there is, and it cannot be changed. And um, yeah. It's, it's, that's that's going to be your kind of initial starting guiding factor, and so kind of the rest of the journey is going to be skewed because of it. But yeah, you know, another aspect of you know you make me think there of of a justice that's true that's true and in relation to God is that again the Christian can can um, pursue a life of justice, can do justice from a place a certain a place of a certain calm and peace, knowing that again as it says in Romans eight twenty eight. Um, all things will work together for good for those who love God, mm. right? And so in the justice of God, even though it, it may involve uh, in a temporary sense my self-sacrifice, my giving of myself, maybe giving until it hurts, maybe giving even until my my life, mm-hmm. that in the end, that all that will work together for the good of those who love God. Mm-hmm. 
Whereas again, in a, in a self-referential ego-driven justice, um, it's always a zero sum game, right? To give something to you, I have to give up something myself and that's intolerable. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we, the world becomes this, this zero sum game where, where I only, I only do things that are benefiting me and I, and I only give if it's beneficial to me, Yeah, you know, which is okay, fundamentally different from this trusting, um, uh, doing justice. I, you, I was thinking of that bit from Micah that you read a couple weeks yeah. ago. You know, this is Micah six, eight. He has showed you, oh man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to do justice and to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God? Mm-hmm. You know, the sense of the, the just man, and, and this is an important to this overall discussion of virtue. It can feel like at times when we imagine virtue, because it's difficult at first, that the end result is going to be this, this human straining through life to get to the end when I think what we see in the saints is as they submit their life to God in justice and they practice the virtue and they receive his grace, they cooperate with his grace, what the life of virtue looks like is more like what we see here. It's this humble walk with God because it's not our mm-hmm. strength. Right. It's not our straining. It's not our, mm-hmm. our human ingenuity or our human strength. It's it's our giving ourselves more over to God. Mm-hmm. As we as we do justice, we're walking more humbly with our God, and it's His strength and it's His grace that's that's. It's not through. a human economy, no. and uh, that is what you know. That final trusting, kind of that that ultimate uh, final trust in the in in justice in the ultimate relationship with God. This is what we owe to God: is to act rightly, you know, in these in these different ways to act morally. There is a, a in human economy standards that that will often almost always um, if we're doing things for the wrong reason it almost always breaks apart when it kind of reaches its apex because in human economy standards it just doesn't make sense. We can see that in its utmost way when we see the saints. Right when a saint is given a choice, when many of the, the early saints especially were given a choice, you either need to renounce God or you got to die. Mm-hmm. Now, by the human economy standards, one can easily imagine rationalizing there and saying, "Oh, if 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 I, you know, like if I renounce God in this moment, I can I can stay alive, and therefore I can keep doing some more good, and I can you know I can still continue to teach people and everything." And it's like you have, it's not setting aside your reason; it's just setting aside human economy by basically the the basic economy of is it ever just a, is it ever right for me to renounce God? And, you know, in first and foremost, the high, you know, the kind of the end point of justice is that relationship with God. First and foremost, love the Lord your God with yeah. all your heart and all your mind, all your soul, and trust the economy of it to him. He's right. the only one who's going to use that, even though it looks like weakness to the world, mm-hmm. and you're basically just, you're just giving yourself to the hands of God and saying, okay, like, yeah. if this is what you're, if this is what I'm called to do for God, yeah. just to die here, even if it looks like a final end yeah. and a, a purposeless end. We trust in we trust in um, you can you, we see the economy of God come from that right? right the blood of the martyrs waters the tree of the church as we've yeah. said many times and uh, there's such beauty to that but it mm-hmm. comes from giving up that human economy that would that would have a step back from that that uh, that trust in, in in real justice you know yeah, yeah. It, it's it's hard not to go to just jump right into fortitude at this point yeah. but you know we're 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 going to talk about that next certainly soon. Because 
I think that's, even though in some sense we've got fortitude and temperance are these two pillars, there, there is even a sense in which fortitude is, a, is slightly higher than temperance. And it, it's so intimately connected mm. to whether or not we can bring justice to bear, whether we can actually, in prudence, follow through and see that justice is done in our lives. Yeah. Precisely, and I think precisely because what you were pointing out here, that um, justice inevitably brings us to those decision points where, where we, the question is, do I really believe in God? You know, I, mm. I can say it, but when I'm led to those those moments where, well, I can continue doing justice, you know, being honest and truthful and a person of integrity and 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 putting God for like I can I can say all those things, but then when I'm led to those moments where it precisely means, oh, if I do justice now, it means that in this worldly sense, it looks like failure. In fact, it might feel like failure. And then, it's it's and a then, difference between belief and faith. Yeah. In the sense of, you know, it talks in James, um, what is what does it mean to believe in God? You know, even even the demons believe in God and yeah. they tremble. Right. But the the point is that to have faith in God is to look at his promises and to trust in those promises even when everything else, the rest of the world is telling us that those promises are false. You know, and yeah. part of those promises is that if we remain faithful, if faithfulness, if we put faithfulness above all this, faithfulness to God and to his promises and to what he's asked us to do, mm-hmm. then everything will work for the good yeah. of those who believe. You know, everything will work for the good of us. But it, it that's, a, that's a faithfulness that we need to constantly pray for. Yeah. And, uh, and courage definitely helps a lot with that. You know, courage is part of what we need to foster and, mm-hmm. and ask God to foster in us as well. Yeah. It's the courage to basically commit ourselves, put that stamp of the amen in those moments where our faithfulness is called into question. Right. Hey, everyone. I hope you enjoyed my and Father Peter's discussion on justice this week and that you've been enjoying this conversation that we've been having about the cardinal virtues. Hopefully, we've been able to bring out some of the reasons why the virtues are so part and parcel of our life in Christ, especially this virtue of justice. We ask the question, is Jesus Lord of my life, or is he just one of many lords? Is he Lord in theory, but not in practice? If someone were to examine my time, my money, my schedule, my relationships, um, the cares of my heart, would they be able to convict me as a Christian? That's the question, right? If not, or if imperfectly, as is likely the case in most of our lives, it is an act of justice to recognize this and begin to remedy it. To put things in order, that's what justice is about. But putting and keeping things in order takes practice. That's what justice as a virtue, as a habit of soul, is all about. And the more we practice it in cooperation with God's grace, the more we turn to God for mercy when we fall short, the more uh, that we, we persevere in trying to bring our life into an order that gives glory to God the Father, the more that we grow in this habit habit of soul by which giving God and neighbor their due becomes the delight of our heart. And the Lord loves justice as we read, right? This is what we're called to do and what we are called to be as followers of Jesus. We're called to be people of justice. We'll be back next week to dig into the virtue of fortitude, also called courage, which is the habit of soul by which we do the hard, right thing, even though it's hard, but because it's right. Perseverance, bravery, patience, obviously all these are very important to the life of the Christian. We hope you'll join us for that discussion. For now, though, thanks again for watching and listening. 
Uh, be sure uh, to like and subscribe and you know all those internet things so that you're notified of new episodes. But better yet, uh, especially if you uh, are someone who's wanting to learn more about the Catholic Church, if you yourself are someone who has or is thinking about becoming Catholic, we invite you to go to chnetwork.org and connect with a whole community of Christians on a similar journey as you. Visit chnetwork.org where you can listen or watch to many, many testimonies from people of all different backgrounds, explore a huge archive of resources, but most importantly, with just a few clicks, you can join our online community where you can connect with our staff, our show hosts, and other members of the network uh, who have come to, to embrace Catholicism or are thinking about doing so. Come join that community and follow along with this show and those discussions there. With that, thanks again for joining me for this episode of Deep in Christ. I'll talk to you next week. God bless. God bless.